Welcome to The Word is Resistance, a weekly podcast hosted by Showing Up for Racial Justice. Each week, we take up the assigned readings from the Revised Common Lectionary, asking what the Christian scriptures can show us of God's dream of liberation and flourishing for all creation. In the context of empire, white supremacy, and a culture of domination and oppression, we come together to wonder how these ancient texts might inspire decolonial, anti-racist, and liberatory spiritual practices and faith-filled living for such a time as this. I'm Rev. Sarah Howell Miller. My pronouns are she or they. I'm a United Methodist minister, and I live in what is currently known as Winston-Salem, North Carolina, on the ancestral lands of the Tutelo, Okanichi, and Kiawe peoples. This podcast is a project of Surge Faith and is particularly designed for white Christians. White Christians talking to other white Christians about race and white supremacy. We believe white Christians like us, like me, have a responsibility to commit ourselves to resisting white supremacy, to speaking up and showing up and disrupting white supremacy where we find it, including in our own Christian tradition. We do this work remembering we are building up a new world. The live recording of Dr. Vincent Harding's song for the freedom movement that we use in this podcast is of a multiracial movement choir practice in Denver, Colorado, recorded on December December 2014, being led by Minister Daryl J. Walker. We are deeply grateful to the Freeney Harding family for letting us use the song for this podcast. This episode is part of our podcast series on disability justice. We are in the midst of exploring the Luke texts in the lectionary through that framework, the framework of disability justice, and we'll continue to do so until mid-October. We are asking questions like, what can we learn about these stories by centering disability justice as our interpretive lens? What can we learn as white Christians about ableism in the texts themselves, as well as in how the texts have been used or interpreted and how it upholds white supremacy? How can centering disability justice be key to collective liberation? We also want to name how white imperial Christianity has constructed and upheld ableism and how whiteness and white Christianity are themselves disabling. And we want to remember mutual interest. What's at stake for us as white Christians, especially abled white Christians, when we center disability justice? So join me now as we explore these questions and more in relation to our Luke text for the week. As we prepare to do so, I invite you to take a moment to center yourself, whatever that might look or sound or feel like. I'm going to start us off with a prayer of confession, inviting us all to ask God to help us release the things that hold us back from individual and collective liberation. So join me in this prayer of confession, adapted from a prayer by Adrian White. Loving God, you pour out grace upon us exactly as we are, but we confess we are suspicious and react from fear of scarcity. You invite us to take our shoes off and receive the care our bodies need, but we hesitate. We sort bodies into worthy and unworthy ones to mask our insecurities. We reject and punish fat bodies, disabled bodies, transgender bodies, and racialized bodies, even when those bodies are our very own. God, remind us that we are made in your image. Help us to learn to receive from your abundance so we can share all we have with others. Let us see that the cups we longingly hold out are already full. Let them overflow so that all will have enough. Amen.
The gospel for this week comes from Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. So he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, may your name be revered as holy. May your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything out of friendship, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and for everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asked for a fish, would give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asked for an egg, would give a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So one of the hermeneutical lenses I applied to this week's gospel lesson was an unconventional one, and humor me for a little bit, but I was reading this text through the lens of the 2003 Disney Pixar movie, Finding Nemo. So my church is doing a summer movie series where we're watching family-friendly films together on a weeknight and then drawing on themes from the movies alongside scripture in Sunday services. And in case you're somehow unfamiliar with Finding Nemo or just need a refresher, it tells the story of a young clownfish, Nemo, and his father, Marlin, who live in a sea anemone on the Great Barrier Reef. And one day Nemo gets sick of his dad's overprotective parenting style and rebels by swimming out into open water where he is scooped up by a diver and taken away on a boat. And so Marlin begins an epic journey across the ocean to find his son. Now I have seen Finding Nemo more times than I could possibly count. There was one year in high school where I babysat a toddler who went through a phase of demanding to watch it multiple times a week. But my most recent viewing revealed something to me that had never occurred to me before. Nemo, the main character, is disabled. One of his pectoral fins is smaller than the other. He calls it his lucky fin. And the term lucky fin, it turns out, has been taken up by some families of children with limb difference. Now, Nemo's lucky fin itself is impossible to miss. I simply had never thought of it in terms of disability, until I watched the movie with this podcast series with Disability Pride Month in the back of my mind. And Nemo isn't even the only disabled character in the movie. Dory, the cheerful blue tang fish voiced by Ellen DeGeneres, has acute short-term memory loss, and it becomes clear that Marlin's anxiety, which stems from the trauma of losing Nemo's mother and sibling eggs to a barracuda attack, well, it's disabling to his emotions and relationships. There's even a film review of Finding Nemo in a Journal of Disability Studies that came out at the time of the movie's release, and this review pointed out there's a reason the disability aspect of Finding Nemo is often missed, especially by abled viewers like myself. Dr. Ann Millett says that conventional narratives show disabled characters as one-dimensional 
and often makes their disability the primary challenge or obstacle that they have to overcome, fix, or change to become more, quote, normal. Finding Nemo is an unconventional narrative of disability that instead, as she puts it, paints disability as a flavorful ingredient in cultural diversity and as a socially constructed character quality. Finding Nemo imagines and models a world where disability is an aspect of diversity, marking characters as unique rather than defective. Any disadvantage Nemo faces in relation to his lucky fin comes not from any evidence, but from his father's repeated assertion that Nemo is not a strong swimmer, though we never really see that to be the case. The movie gives us characters for whom disability is just one part of who they are and doesn't preclude them from having and using other gifts and talents. Dory may not be able to remember what you told her two minutes ago, but she can read human writing, a skill that becomes invaluable in the search for Nemo. And here's where all this contemplation of animated fish connects in with our lectionary text for the week. Finding Nemo demonstrates a key dimension of disability and disability justice, and that is the necessity of asking for help and the importance of finding trustworthy helpers along the way. When Nemo is first taken by the boat, Marlin races after it in an attempt to catch up, but is soon left behind, so he starts asking every sea creature he passes, help me, please, until finally he meets Dory. And over the course of the movie, Marlin and Nemo find help from countless other fish, from a group of sea turtles, from one giant whale, even from a pelican and a shark. In our podcast episode from two weeks ago, Nicola Torbett offered a beautiful reflection on interdependence and asking for help in conversation with disability justice. And she drew on the work of Mia Mingus, a queer, disabled Korean adoptee who talks about forced intimacy, which happens when disabled people must rely on strangers or people they do not trust for their access needs. Mingus contrasts forced intimacy with access intimacy which she describes as that elusive, hard-to-describe feeling when someone else gets your access needs. Now, I won't repeat Nicola's reflections in full here, but if you haven't heard the July 3rd episode of The Word is Resistance, please do go listen to that and know that that's sort of where my train of thought has gone. And now access intimacy can involve an ask or a request, but underlying it is a sense of trust that needs will be understood and met. And this is what strikes me about our text from Luke chapter 11. It is very much about being persistent and asking boldly. Again, go back to Nicola's recent episode for a deeper reflection on that. But there is something else at work here, and that is Jesus' assurance, even assumption, that needs can and will be met. Ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. Jesus presumes a world that can hold and meet our needs. We know we are a long way off from that world. In a place where worship of capitalism makes no room for disability or difference. In a nation where the stripping of reproductive rights is keeping disabled and chronically ill people from getting needed medications today. In a land where queer people and trans people and people of color are disabled and disadvantaged by racism and homophobia. In a time where the prevalence of gun violence means that individuals as well as communities are killed and disabled by white supremacy, misogyny, and dehumanization. 
Because we are so far from the world that Jesus assumes in this passage, we may be tempted to cynicism. It often feels more accurate, especially for disabled people and other marginalized groups, to say, ask and you will be rejected, search and you will come up empty, knock and someone will turn you away. But we must remember that we are not just passive recipients of this world. We are co-creators in it. This is important for those of us seeking mutual interest with disabled people and other marginalized groups. In Amy Kenney's book, My Body is Not a Prayer Request, Disability Justice in the Church, she says this, When we claim disability is part of a social construct, we forget that we are its construction workers. Yes, the big powers of racialized capitalism, corporate greed, and institutionalized ableism do an awful lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to constructing disability. But we are all construction workers, and even if we cannot snap our fingers and turn this broken world into the world Jesus envisions, a world that can hold and meet all our needs, we can build up a new world right where we are. We can take steps to divest from ableist, racist, and oppressive practices and institutions and collectively to lay a new foundation. Mia Mingus offers a vision for a world shaped by access intimacy, put into practice by what she calls liberatory access. She writes, liberatory access gets us closer to the world we want and ache for rather than simply reinforcing the status quo. It lives in the now and the future. Disability justice, Mingus says, is the political container for liberatory access because it reminds us that the aim is not just to give disabled people access to the system as it is, but to transform systems and build them anew. If we are disabilities construction workers, we have many tools at our disposal. We have our bold asking, seeking, and knocking, our political demands, and our vocal support of and mutual interest with those who are disabled by empire, capitalism, and oppression to help us build up a new world. We have the compelling story of liberatory access and the voices of disability justice practitioners, especially queer and trans, black, indigenous, and people of color, to teach us and guide our work. And we have Jesus' implied command to create a world where all can ask and receive, seek and find, knock and be welcomed in. May we build up that new world together, where disability is an aspect of cultural diversity and a source of creative and generative hope, rather than a site of oppression. In the name of the disabled God who lived, died, and rose again in solidarity with us all. As I thought about how we can be construction workers of something other than an oppressive ableism, I found myself at once overwhelmed with the scope of the task and reminded of a song by Quaker poet and songwriter Carrie Newcomer. In the album notes for her song, Three Feet or So, she writes, I reference in this song a beautiful story by Greg Ellison that affirms the idea that we may not be able to change the whole world, but we can change what is three feet around us. We have enormous power to create positive change in the world and how we choose to live our daily lives.
And so our call to action is to figure out where within three feet or so we can be construction workers, building up a new world shaped by disability justice and liberatory access. If you are part of a faith community with a physical building, ask if an accessibility audit has ever been done and find out if there are access needs that ought to be addressed. If you post regularly to social media and don't already include image descriptions for the visually impaired or add captions to videos, take some time to learn how to do that and start new habits around content creation. Especially if you're hearing, consider learning American Sign Language from a deaf person. I recommend Queer ASL as a 2S LGBTQQIA positive resource for online classes. These are just a few possible actions to take. What your three feet or so look like might reveal other opportunities. And we would love to hear what that looks like for you and for your community. Thanks as always for joining us. We'd love to hear from you all by commenting on our SoundCloud or Twitter or Facebook pages or filling out the survey on our podcast page at surge.org. Give us a like or rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you check out our podcast. You can find out more at, about Surge at surge.org, where you can sign up for Surge Faith updates and find transcripts for every episode, which include references, resources, and action links. Next week, we'll have a resistance word from Reverend M. Jade Kaiser. And finally, a huge thanks to our sound editor, Claire. I'll leave you with these words from Carrie Newcomer's song, Three Feet or So. We are body, skin, and bones. We're all the loss we've ever known. What is gone is always near. We're all the love that brought us here. I can't change the whole world, but I can change the world I know. What's within three feet or so. And the things that have saved us are still here to save us. It's not out there somewhere. It's right here. It's right here. Amen. Yeah.